This is Papa Podcast from The Devil in the Detail. I'm Rob Paxson and I'm here talking all things. Salford Red Devils, the Rugby League World Cup is in full flow at the moment. And I spoke to the Welsh PDRL head coach, Craig Fisher, who also works for the Salford Red Devils Foundation. And he tells us about his experience with the Welsh PDRL team in their PDRL World Cup. And this is what he had to say. Welcome to the show, Craig. Congratulations on your third place finish with the Welsh PDRL Rugby League team in the World Cup. What a journey you've been on. Yeah, um, thank you very much for that. Um, it was a, an interesting week. Um, if I'm being perfectly honest, I was a little bit disappointed we were just getting third place, but uh, circumstances that took place during the tournament meant that we could only finish uh, third highest. So um, to do that, I was very, very pleased with the effort and uh, the commitment to the boys to get us uh, that third place spot. What was the build-up like to that first game against Australia? Was the nerves in the in the Welsh camp? Um, the, the the place seemed really relaxed uh, going into the first game. Um, I was a, a bag of nerves. Um, ne- I never usually am, but um, I think there was a lot riding on it um, in terms of you know us being a bit of an unknown quantity. Me uh, going into this as a, an unestablished PDRL coach, but a coach nonetheless. The way that the Welsh team was put together, you know, it, there was a lot of questions being asked as to whether we could hang or not in that tournament. Um, I don't think an awful lot of people gave us a chance in it, to be fair. And um, t- finding it 10 minutes before kick-off time that we had to play with 10 men was an absolute kick in the teeth as well because um, due to classification rulings regarding our red shorts players, we could only have X amount of B category and C category red short players on the pitch at one time, uh, so, which meant that we could only play start the game with 10 men. So we were immediately at a deficit um, against... New Zealand and it was a bit of a pain at the time to deal with but I think one thing that I had to try and do was just try and keep a lid on it even though I was seething inside I was very much like you know what else do we have to do what other barriers do we have to you know break through and jump hurdles do we have to jump over but I had to try and keep it calm and as cool as I possibly could for the boys I don't think I hit that very well at times but you know some you know that was that was the aim, just to try and uh, ignore my own frustration and make sure the boys were just uh, taking care of business on the pitch. You recorded your first victory of the tournament against Australia. You beat them thirty-four points to twenty. A huge result. I mean, it's it's great. Yeah, beating the Aussies. I mean, not not many coaches can actually turn around and say they've beaten the Aussies, let alone beaten them twice. I think. Um, speaking to I can't remember. I think it was Brian Julie, who's the CEO of Wales Rugby League, and. Um, were the first Welsh team of any description, whether it be Rugby League or Rugby Union, that have managed to f- defeat the Australians um, twice on the spin, which, you know, that's a, that's a massive achievement. And um, also with the New Zealand game as well, we're the first ever uh, Welsh international rugby league team to have turned over a New Zealand side since 1908 so you know we were making history not just by taking to the pitch and playing the first ever PDRL World Cup but we were breaking records by um, by beating these teams which was which was really satisfying and um, I think 
as much as we probably raised a few eyebrows of like the tournament organisers and the the other teams in the tournament, I, the the one person that probably wasn't surprised by it all was myself and um, and my staff. The second game, you faced England and went down to defeat thirty two points to six. Uh, what did you take from that result? Yeah, I mean, like I said, we started the game with 10 men. England had a game plan going into that game. They saw a couple of our danger men from the New Zealand game going into it and they, they got targeted and, uh, you know, England disposed of those players pretty quickly, which put us down to eight men on the pitch, um, which meant we had to really kind of wrap out, wrap the rest of the lads up in, in cotton wool, really, because if we'd have gone down to another player... Uh, if we'd gone down to seven players, then we would have had to Im- immediately give the game to England, which I was refusing to do. Um, there was no way I was letting them lot have that have that win easy off us. Um, even though the scoreline suggests that England ran away with it, they, no, it's a 50-minute match and they were only 14-6 up with 10 minutes to go. It was only when we went down to eight men that they pulled away from us. So, um, you know, it was just a numbers game. And even Sean Briscoe said after the match, if we'd have been full strength, we probably would have turned England over in that game. So, yeah, I was. there was a mixture of feelings. I was proud of the boys. I was proud they stuck at it. and proud they didn't give up. You know, we had some battered bodies out there. I mean, Isaac Pickett, who's one of my players, who's a non-contact player, came away from that game with broken ribs. How, how that happens, I do not know. But, you know, um, I'm not going to take away anything from the... The attitude, the guts, the determination of the boys, because they, they really did stick at it. But I was equally as miffed with the um, result in terms of the way the game plan England basically went into the game with to try and target our players. Um, I thought was not within the spirit of the game, but you know, you live and learn, don't you? Final qualifying game, you beat New Zealand 28 points to 26, completing a Southern Hemisphere double. Was that the tag when you set off in this tournament? Again, I think it was a, a, a realist, realistic target. So we were talking about was just uh, people didn't honestly think we were going to turn up to the tournament to begin with. They thought it was going to be a three-team tournament and then we show up and then they think we were going to be the whipping boys and we, we, we just went out to spoil the party. And, my God, we spoilt the party for a few teams. And, um, you know, yeah, there's not many teams that can say that they turned over um, Southern Hemisphere sides, um, you know, consecutively like we did. Um, And and we ran the world champions um, as close to a defeat as they were going to get. It's all kind of circumstantial, the fact that we didn't get to the final, um, which I was really, really upset about at the time. And so were the players, but... uh, say that you know we we played four games won three all against southern hemisphere opposition um didn't win the tournament but you know we made a really uh, strong account of ourselves and really surprised quite a few people and i think um when you look at it the people having spoken having speaking to people after the tournament and i suppose during the tournament as well was that we were probably the most entertaining team to watch um Albeit, you know, we were down on numbers. We just stuck at it. And I think a lot of people just kind of um, saw what kind of a team we had in terms of our team spirit, our, our attitude, our never-say-die attitude to the game. Um, you know, 
we I think we were the team that most teams wanted to rally behind because we were the underdogs and um, I think we wore that badge quite well. England went on to win the tournament. You finished third, beating Australia again in the bronze medal match. As being seen as the underdogs before the tournament and beating Australia twice, you must be happy with uh, what your boys produced. Yeah, I mean, congratulations to England. I mean, they they set out to win that that um, World Cup and and they did that. There's you no know, mission mission accomplished for them and. Um, no taking nothing away from them. They are a good side. Um, I honestly think that we should have been the team to face them in the final. Um, I think we were good enough. Um, I think you know we were just victims of circumstance. Like I said, beating the Aussies, beating the New Zealanders. You know, I'll, I'll take that any day of the week. And I think most teams will know, and most people will know who you know who deserve to be in that in that World Cup final. And I felt like we deserved to be there. And um, you know, if we'd have got there. Who knows what would have happened? I think it would have been a lot closer game than thirty-two points to six. Was your Wales play of the tournament, uh, and why? <sighs> um, I mean, sixteen lads, and they all put their hands up, and um, they all they all made themselves, um, you know, stood up and w- were counted. I suppose um, I, I could go through the entire team. Leif Farbro's an absolute dynamite player. Nick Harris is you know tough as old boots. Played with a pretty much a ruptured um, hamstring for the last two games of the tournament, so you could say Nick Harris. You know, Rob Carpenter really got stuck in when he needed to. Uh, Gareth Sullivan was a bit of a threat, a bit of a pest to uh, the other teams. Timer Hughes, you know, Timer, um, obviously, Salford PDRL Player of the Year. He kind of, um, he played the New Zealand game, had to go back to Wales because he'd suffered a really bad kidney infection. So obviously he had to go and have treatment on that and then came back for the last two games. So, you know, you can't knock his commitment. Um, Isaac Pickett, toughest kid in the world. I mean, he's a non-contact red shorts player and played on two games with broken ribs. Um, Tough as old boots, the kid. Morgan Jones, just class, silky skills all the way through. Um, You know, Dan Shaw surprised a lot of people. He's very, very quiet and unassuming. He's shawzy, but... You know, um, God, he was a threat with balling, and uh, Connor was just Mr. Reliable in defence. Our, our rook defence kind of um, lived and died by the work that Connor was doing, so I was really pleased with his effort. Stuart Newton and Justin um, Martin just knew their roles really well. They just needed to empty their tanks, they needed to smash everything in sight, and once they were getting fatigued, they had to come off, and, you know, they understood their roles and did them brilliantly. Dylan Hughes, for me, um, was another one just unassuming doesn't say much the kid but um does all his talking on the pitch and he was just really reliable all the way through the tournament um obviously our captain ben lewis uh, mr mr dependable great leader on the pitch and really really kept the boys upbeat throughout the tournament paul jones you know felt really sorry for paul in the last game because he had to miss just concussion protocols Otherwise, I think he would have probably torn it up again like he did against New Zealand and England. Then you've got um, Chris Young. You know, the guy's a little pest. Um, He's he's a real nuggety character. He's very, very quick as well. And, um, you know, I think he was our top try scorer in the tournament and just brought a wealth of experience to the group and, um, you know, just a great lad to have around. And then finally, finishing it all off with Spriggsy, Chris Spriggs. didn't understand a word he was saying. He's got the thickest Welsh accent you've ever heard in your life. And um, 
he was he, he just played with his heart on his sleeve and sometimes he got a little bit overexcited in terms of like um wanted wanted a bit of uh, extras in the in the tackles and stuff like that so we had to try and keep him uh, di- dialed down a little bit but you know I can't knock him at all he was great as was everyone else all my staff Catherine our physio was brilliant Matt Drinkwater's the, just the best in the business and then I've got Anthony uh, and Dave from Wakefield Trinity who were just awesome and you know, so um, helpful to me. And then our team manager at the time, Neil Lynch, you know, he was absolutely brilliant and kept me sane and uh, kept me awake with lots and lots of coffee. What was the reaction like in Wales at your success? Have you had much feedback? It's been absolutely uh, huge. Um, so there's been um, mixed ability rugby union teams that we tapped all our players up from uh, to play in the World Cup. And since the advent of the World Cup being played and watching the lads play and do their thing, um, we've had numerous expressions of interest, which is going to ultimately build our player pool up. But also, um, it might potentially be able to strike up um, a potential PDRL team in South Wales as well. I think it's going to be tied in with, I think it's the Aberavon fighting Irish. Um, so... That's something that's very much being talked about, very much in its infancy still. But um, it's exciting times for people in South Wales with physical disabilities because there is um, something for you now to access and play rugby league and, you know, hopefully become um, a future international. With the PDRL World Cup being hailed a success, how do you think the RFL make it grow for next time? I sincerely hope so because the appetite for it now has really expanded and there are lots of people... Um, wanted to have a go now at PDRL and they should um, obviously you know, we've got the PDRL team in Salford um, Lee Forbes is heading that up I'm just kind of overseeing it alongside him and then Heather Robinson's in the background doing her bit so you know we're always looking for players and hopefully the, the, the success of the PDRL tournament will hopefully uplift our participation numbers You will continue your role as head coach into the next World Cup in France. You must be excited about the challenges that lay ahead for you and your team. Yeah, proud, excited. I think the feedback from the players was pretty decent across the board. Um, the, the board of directors from the um, from the Wales Rugby League were really happy with the way we went about our jobs. It's not just me who's going to retain my spot in the in the uh, squad. No, I've made sure all, all my staff are still involved for the next World Cup as well. Obviously, we're bringing back uh, Jared Hinnom as well as our strength and conditioning coach who had to miss this World Cup due to a broken neck. So, um, you know, we've got Jared coming back into the fold for the 2023 World Cup and obviously we've got internationals in between. So, yeah, it's not just me who's proud enough to be uh, representing Wales. It'll be the rest of my staff as well um, because it, it wasn't for them. We wouldn't have had the success we'd had. Um, They really did keep me as grounded as I possibly could be when I, I was really kind of like losing me losing me way with um the politics of the game. Um so yeah. Um I'm just um I'm very pleased that I've been retained but I'm even more pleased that my staff have been retained because I couldn't do it without them. PRL World Cup over, the ladies and wheelchair competitions have now begun. It's a very exciting time for the sport of rugby league. Yeah, tremendously exciting and uh, just goes to show uh, the inclusivity of the sport there. It's uh, growing and not just that, um, it's also attracting um, attention from wider audiences, which can only be good for the sport in general. With your Sulphur Devils Foundation hat on now, the impact report has been announced and lots of positive 
comments have come out about the engagement with the local schools and the community. Are you hoping that the World Cup gives people and kids in the city opportunity to engage further with the foundation? I mean, that's the dream, mate, isn't it? I mean, we want as many people accessing rugby league variants from the Salford Red Devils Foundation as possible. You know, we've got the girls' pathway that's... Um, you know, really taking off, and we're you know we're we're hitting a load of schools and getting loads of um, high school girls playing rugby league now, which is great. Um, you know, we we want as many people with um, disabilities, whether they be learning disabilities or physical disabilities, tapping into our um, into our disability variants, whether PD or LDSL, and then uh, you know our, our more um, mature clientele i suppose our more, more mature supporters um you know have the opportunity to access our walking rugby league sessions on a, on a uh, tuesday evening as well which is absolutely fantastic um you know really good fun great social um side to the to the game as well they all get along so well so that's some uh, something for people you, you might want to play what you might want to play rugby league but don't fancy running it is for all ages. It's not just for the older people. It is for everyone. So, the walking rugby league, I'd highly encourage people to take part in. But also, you know, I want as many people trying to access PDRL as possible, as well as the LDSL. Finally, we briefly talked about the wheelchair rugby. Uh, the world of rugby league have uh, got all excited about the wheelchair uh, part of the sport. Could be we soon be seeing a, a Salford team. Yeah, hasn't it been good, um, this wheelchair rugby league? It's been absolutely fantastic to watch. Um, I've been lucky enough to follow a couple of my mates who play for the Wales team. Um, obviously, my mate Steve Jones coaches them as well, so that's been really good to watch. As a, as it stands to talk of a Salford Red Devils wheelchair rugby league team, a, um, it's definitely on our radar. It's um, I can say categorically that it will happen. Um we just need to get a few little bits and pieces over the line, but uh, Wheelchair Rugby League will be coming to the Salford Red Devils in 2023 at some point. Brilliant. Thanks for joining us, Craig. Wish you all the success in the world in 2023 for both Wales and the Foundation, and we'll hope to speak to you soon. Thanks for having me on, Rob. Always a pleasure, mate. So that was Craig Fisher talking to me about his uh, journey with the Welsh PDRL Rugby League team. I'm Bruce Parkson. Big thanks for tuning into this week's pop-up podcast from the Devon Detail. Fans on Facebook, Devon the Detail SRD. Fans on Twitter at BITDSRD. And your fans on SoundCloud, iTunes, Radio Contact, Spotify, and YouTube. See you soon.